Y'all hear him? What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. We open every Position of Neutrality with a word of prayer, and Chaplain Lee is in the house. Amen. Can everyone please stand to your feet? Amen. Father, we thank you again today for what you're about to do in this place, the lives that have come in and those that are on their way. We ask you, Lord, to pour out into this atmosphere. Let us let your presence be made known. We thank you, O oh God, for today and for getting ready to dive into step 10 and step 11. It is going to be designed with you in mind, realizing that we got to make a conscious thought right now of what we're getting ready to do. This is the time where we get it together and get it right. So we thank you for this day. We thank you for each and everyone that's here. We thank you for the manservant that you have to present on tonight. And we ask you to use them in a mighty way so that it will touch the hearts and the lives of each and everyone that is in this place, on the air, and on their way. We thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you, chap. Um, got a full house. We're starting to get to a full house, but there's a couple things we need to let people know. Anyone here for the very first time tonight? Oh, wow, a whole bunch of you. Great. Well, first of all, thanks for coming. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. If you came from the community, um, maybe you don't know what we do here, but we help men and women coming out of Arizona Department of Corrections transition into more productive lives. That's, that's what we do. So how many, mem <laughs> how, many, how many members do I have in the house tonight? Oh, a bunch of you. I know you guys had a long day, so thanks for coming. Uh, we got people on the tablets that are going to get to hear you. If you can yell loud enough for them to hear you in Douglas, Yuma, Florence, Tucson, Winslow, I'd like to give a shout out to everybody in the Department of Corrections, Perryville. Anybody want to yell to them? And we also are streaming in the uh, tablets in the Maricopa County Jail System. Anyone got any words for them? Thank you very much. We appreciate you. Um, so what we do here, we go through a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yes? So tonight we're going to take a look at steps 10 and 11, and what I'm going to attempt to do is I'm going to read what these authors say, and then I'm going to try and show you how I find my experience within what they say their testimony is, and encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that happens? So very good. See that? Those of you online, you can't see because of the anonymous nature of our fellowships, but they raise their hand, indicating 
that when we speak to you of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking to you about a sensory experience. You will feel it. And when you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention. Because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Oh, and if you haven't been here before, when I say God, you say Because it's interchangeable for us. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to start today on page 83 at the bottom of the page. And we're going to do just a little review from last week and then launch in to this week's walk. Fair enough? So it says, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. What phase of their development are they speaking of? Do you agree with Sean? So we're prosecuting our amends now that we identified needed to be made based on an inventory that we took in four and sorted out with somebody and some human in five and then with the spirit within us in six and seven, yes? And we're about to go try and make right the wrongs of the past and in that effort we're about to start subduing the ego and empowering the spirit, yes? Okay, then it says, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. You think this place is aptly named? What, what, new freedom. What do we mean when we say new freedom? What did we ask for in three? Anyone remember? Relieve me of the bondage of self. How many of you have recognized that you have somehow been released from yourself and come in to a higher self. Well, if, you, if it wasn't true, you wouldn't be aware, right? I don't always behave the way I should behave, but I'm aware I should behave better. And I, and I wasn't always empowered with that kind of knowledge. Okay, so, so it says, we will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Why not? How many of you have learned that? How many of you found some of the things you thought were just a complete waste in your life have been used to uplift a brother or sister that's just going through it? So we don't regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it, nor, nor are we glorifying the past or living in it. It's just, it's just a tool to use when appropriate, right? All right. So it says we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Notice how they're talking about states of being. This isn't speculation. We find ourselves comprehending a state of mind that is less conflicted. Have you had that experience, at least at times? How does one know peace? Start to feel safe and protected, right? Okay. So no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. We already sort of dived into that. If you guys are starting to work with other people. How many of you guys that are here now have been here a couple of weeks and you came in a little stiff and a little overwhelmed and pretty soon you could recognize that in someone else and you went up and wrapped them up and say, hey man, I can see it, I can feel it on you, but here's the deal. It's going to be okay. Walk with me. I'm feeling you. Who's feeling me? That's the power we call God. You guys, are, you guys are coming into your servant nature, and it's tangible. And when, when we remind you of it, we feel it all over the room. 
Okay, so it says, it says that that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you had, had feelings of uselessness and self-pity? And how many of you didn't realize they disappeared until one day someone called to your attention that you were living in a different purpose and all of a sudden you, it just went away? Didn't your actions start doing better even before your awareness that uselessness and self-pity were no longer operating? Again, these are states of being. This is, this is a level, a raised level of consciousness. All right, so it says we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. We just talked about that, didn't we? Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We'll suddenly realize that God... That was way weak. We're not stopping. We're suddenly realized that God... They're trying to hear you in Douglas and Kingman. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. How many of you have had that sudden revelation? So that's real. You don't have to be very far in the walk to all of a sudden go, man, I did not plan this. All right, good stuff. So then it says, are these extravagant promises? Some of you have been here before. They are fairly extravagant, aren't they? The reason they call it to our attention is because it is such an extravagant promise. And we as a class tend to have a bit of hyperbole sometimes in our descriptions of... Any, any of you exaggerate? Any of you ever, any of you ever over embellish when you wanted someone to buy into a, whatever you had running? So they know that about us as a class. So they're they're going, no shit, dude. I know this is extravagant, but it really happened for me, and you know what a shit show I was, right? Okay. All right. So we think not. They're being fulfilled among us sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Claim that promise, guys. There are valleys in the process, but the promises will always materialize if we work for them, and the work is nothing more than turning your thoughts to others and see what you can do to lift them up. And the minute you do that, you're going to get the power to lift them up, which will inevitably lift you up. Make sense? Okay. So this thought brings us to step 10. What thought? I just went through the promise. Come on, are you sleeping or what? Am I not doing my job? What's up? The, the promises will always materialize. So that thought brings us to step 10. Because they're going to start telling me about how to realize them more of the time by walking consciously. Does that make sense? Okay. Which suggests that we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue... I must have started. So it says I'm going to continue to take personal inventory. When did I start taking personal inventory? They showed me how to do that in a suggestive way in step four. And then it says continue to set right new mistakes. When did they tell me how to set right mistakes? With whatever I gleaned out of four, I got a list, and then I learned how to do that in nine. I'm going to continue doing those things as I go along. Are you starting to see the all-inclusive nature of the steps? 
It's not a workbook exercise. It's a manner of living. So it's all inclusive. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the fast. They use the words they mean, and they mean the words they say. When they say vigorously, what do they mean? Do you get a, a mental image of vigorous? How many of you needed to get a fix? Sometime in your life. Were you vigorous in pursuit? We need to bring as much of that same type of vigor to our new walk, our new manner of living. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, we have entered the world of the spirit. They were pretty declarative there. Why do we call to your attention the sensory experience of the power we call God here? Because the consciousness, the awareness of being aware of a power in me, yet not of me. That's what we're trying to call your attention to. Because that power is the light. That power is the lamp. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what, effectiveness at what. You're waiting for me to tell you? <laughs> How many of you have grown in understanding of yourself as perhaps having an illness? Or How many of you have grown in understanding of others as you've started trying to serve rather than judge? How many of you have grown in understanding of this power we call God once people called to your attention the sensory, tangible experience of that power, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? In 12-step recovery, we're not talking theology, we're talking relationship. And we're talking about a power within each and every one of us, the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Does that make sense? So we're walking in power, and the idea is to improve awareness of being aware of walking in power, so that I can continue to grow in power so that I can impact more lives. Because that's the juice, yeah? Okay. So this said, then they tell us this is not an overnight matter. It's kind of a Debbie Downer moment, isn't it? So they're warning us about the process. It's not going to happen overnight, but a lot of things are going to happen overnight, and you're going to walk it out, and you're going to grow, and then... You're going to think you're not growing, but someone's going to point out to you you've grown a great deal. And you'll realize that you don't have any credit to take for it. It just happened, right? Okay. All right. So, so it says it should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Sean's done that for I don't know how many years now. I don't agree with him on that point. So I contend that I have been reasonably good at spelt it, uh, spotting selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you all my life. I was less aware of me. And so I'm going to continue to do that, but they've got further instructions. If you go to another book, you'll see the instructions there. He said, how do you see the speck in your brother's eye when you cannot see the plank in your own eye? Better, you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see 
to help your brother. You guys recognize that from another book? Okay, so they're going to walk us through that same process. It says, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God. That was really weak, guys. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So we're going to learn to take captive the thought to make sure that I'm not just seeing my thoughts about them, that I'm really seeing them. Does that make sense? The plank in my eye is my perspective. And in order to grow in perspective, I'm going to have to see them differently. Does it make sense? Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. i got to see what lens I'm looking through. Okay, so we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Any of you ever wondered what these principles are we practice in all our affairs? This book was written 15 years before the one that was sold to raise a little more revenue. We love Bill. I'm glad he got some more money. But the reality is the principles are contained right here. Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Does that make sense? Okay, and then it says, love and tolerance of others is our code. Love what? Tolerate what? Do you agree with Sean? Love the people, tolerate the behavior. That'd be a handy little trick for us to know, wouldn't it? All right, so now they got another set of promises for us. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. And, and two, I was just hoping for that. Came to believe that this power could. By now, if I've followed directions, sanity has returned. What did they say insanity was? Taking a drink knowing you're an alcoholic. That's what Sean says. <laughs> the, the authors, that is in fact something they describe, but the authors talking about an appalling lack of perspective. The inability to think clearly. Any of you that never had a drinking problem or a drug problem suffer at times from an appalling lack of perspective? And that caused you, because of what was going on within you, to have an appalling lack of perspective and an inability to think clearly? Yeah, that's human insanity. Any of you have a control addiction? Shit was going down, you didn't like it going down, so you just stewed on it until you were all crazy? Okay, well, most of us have had it. <laughs> That's why we're doing this as a manner of living. Okay, so but for by this time, sanity will have returned. We'll seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. So they're talking to you about a very profound change in my attitude and my ideas. I'm seldom interested. I'm not interested in talking to you about it. I'm not interested in being around it. But when tempted... I'll recoil as from a hot flame. It's starting to warm up in Phoenix, Arizona. How many of you have touched a hot car? Did anyone have to say, you shouldn't touch that car? Or did you recoil? When they start talking to us about reacting sanely and normally, that's what they're talking about. I'm, I'm responding to dangerous things as if I knew they were dangerous. I didn't used to do that with regard to drugs, alcohol, and other behaviors. Is that true for anyone else, or did I get to the wrong room? 
Okay, so then it says we react sanely and normally and we will find that this has happened automatically. The, the biggest mistake we make is we listen to the people that say, you got this, just keep fighting. No, if we're spiritually fit, we're not fighting. If you're fighting, you're doing it wrong. And, and I'm not telling you that because I want to be judgmental. I'm telling you that because there's a better way. And I don't want to see any of my brothers and sisters suffering. I'm not fighting anything. I've been delivered from it. I didn't quit anything. I'm not a quitter. Ask anyone who knew me. I don't quit nothing. It was removed from me. It was removed from me. We're so blessed to have Brandy. If I ever... That's a new freedom graduate you can hear all the way in Kingman and Perryville. All right. So we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. How many of you have had your ideas and attitudes shifted and really never gave any thought to it? It's like one day it just didn't occupy the space and time that it once did. And then it says that's the miracle of it. We, we, if we have addictive disorder, have a progressive illness. The medical community will tell you it is fatal. We look around and we see people dying in it every day. But when we have it and we're in it, we don't believe it. Or we don't care. True? Any of you take it far enough that you just didn't care? You're dying. Yeah, I know. Tell me when. Some of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right, so says we're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Do you think that? Position of neutrality. People ask me, where'd you get that name? Right there. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Anyone feel that? And here you are, right in the middle of new freedom, in position of neutrality, safe and protected. And you know why you're safe and protected? Because you're looking out for one another. Okay. So we have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. What's the problem? Right? They've told us we don't know exactly. Some manifestation of self driven by fear. Yes? But to some degree, the fear has been removed. Therefore, the manifestations of self have diminished. Yes? Okay, It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. So now they're clearly talking to me about the fear problem. My fears are diminished at this point because I'm walking in knowledge of who I am and whose I am. Yes, anyone else with me? Any of you come into your identity here? I mean, in recovery in general, did you not come into your identity? You know you are not the labels. That you are a child of the living God. That you walk in power. If you don't know that, get with one of us after. Let's get you introduced. Okay. okay, so then it says that is our experience. That's not their opinion. It's not their observation. They're telling you of their deliverance, and they're promising you that if they're delivered, you too can be delivered, or I wouldn't be here talking to you. Yes? And then it says that is how we react so long as we keep in a fit spiritual condition. So all you need to know is are you keeping in a fit spiritual condition and keep walking in that. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean a life without struggle. It's just a life 
that recognizes struggle is fitting me for the next level. Yes? So there's no, there's not so much struggle as there is purpose. Yes? Kind of like leg day at the gym. Okay. So how would you know if you were in fit spiritual condition? The nice thing about this book, Sean goes right to it, you'd feel it. The doctor observed about people with addictive disorder, they're restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience that ease and comfort. Anytime you're not experiencing the ease and comfort from within, then your spiritual status is something to take a look at. Does that make sense? And it's not a criticism, it's just it keeps you feeling better. Yes? Okay. So then it says it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. It is, isn't it? You know what they're talking about? Laurels, past accomplishments. You ever done that? It's easy to say, look, I already did that. Yes? How many of you came back to recovery more than once? How many of you came back to prison more than once? So we have some experience with resting on our laurels, right? There was a time when we were on the right trajectory and then something went wrong. And it was just a matter of not staying conscious, yes? Okay. It's good to know that because what's the first step in recovery? We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. There's a learning process in realizing that one has to come to themselves. Yes? And realize that there's something better and then walking into something better even when circumstances defy that it's better. And every one of us in addiction has done that. Right? Okay. All right, so it says we're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. How many of you have run into the subtlety of alcohol, methamphetamine, heroin, fentanyl? Did you notice they did not stop producing it when you stopped using it? <laughs> so we're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. That's how serious it is. If I don't want to return to that which I came from, I have to get serious about maintaining my spiritual condition. And that is always about, no matter how I'm acting, outwardly starting to take control of those thoughts before they become actions and start getting introspective about what's going on. Yes? Okay. So then it says, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will. Do we sneak up on you? You want to try it again? They could not hear you in Douglas. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Which ones? What is God's will if we're going to carry this vision? God's will is power. If I'm going to carry a vision of God's will... They've told me to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, and then have them removed at once. So my guess is that something about that will, that vision is going to be absent self. It's going to be absent dishonesty. It's going to be absent those things I'm asking to go away, yeah? Be faithful, not fearful, those types of things, yeah? Okay. And then it says... 
they, how they do it, how can I best serve thee, thy will, not mine, be done. So that's the authors talking to you. They're talking to you in King James language. I'm going to guess most of us do not talk in King James language. Is that a good assumption? So every prayer in this book is a suggestion. If you do not talk in King James language, talk to God how you talk. Does that make sense? Okay. And notice here that it says, how can I best serve thy will? And then in parentheses, not mine. That's not by accident. God's will has no opposite. So the, the idea that there is a will apart from God is pure delusion on my part. There's God's will, and then there's my opposition to it. Does that make sense? So, so by the time we fully awaken, you'll see that the not mine will be removed. Because I'm awakened. Okay, I'll show that to you in another paragraph or two. You'll have to trust me until then. This is my first time, so it, I'm hoping it turns out. Okay. Thanks. I appreciate that. All right. What did I do now? Where am I at? What did I do? I would... Oh, these thoughts which must must go with us constantly. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Those thoughts, your will, right? We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. Interesting they use the word exercise our willpower. How many of you have found that you knew the right thing to do, but it looked hard, and so you opted out? So God didn't take your will. He left you with it. He asked you to redirect it and go where he's taking you. And sometimes you're going to have to add your 2%. And it's going to feel like 20 or 200. Okay. So much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. So they said much has already been said. What did they tell us? The flow of the spirit, power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, flowing in. They talked about all the different promises that, you know, that we, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better now that we know he's the subject of our experience, not the object of our belief. They talked about all of that. Yes? Okay. So then it says, if we've carefully followed directions, so if you've followed along and you've been doing these things, if we've carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. How many of you at some time tonight have felt something going on within you and strangely enough other people around you knew that too? And we called it to your attention. So apparently you have carefully followed directions because whether you know it or not, you have begun, begun to sense the flow of his spirit into you. Does that make sense? Some of you felt that too. So I got a double bump. That's good. Dude, I'm a stone junkie, so if you guys, if you guys like it, let's just pour it out. Yeah? Okay. So we, we have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. Oh, wait a minute. What did I do here? Okay. To some extent, we've become God conscious. We've, we've, be, we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So what is the vital sixth sense? Yeah, God, God consciousness. 
the awareness of being aware, the conscious walk with your creator, not a theology, not a theory, the flow of the spirit, the inspiration, the revelation. Does that make sense? Okay. Then it says, but we must go further, and that means more action. Because all of that was simply preparation to go out and serve. Does that make sense? I've got to be aware of the Spirit, and I've got to take the leanings of the Spirit and get the inspiration of the Spirit so I'm going where I'm targeted, so I'm at the right time and the right place for the right reason. Starting to make sense? How many of you have been in the right place, the right time for the wrong reason? Look at who I'm talking to. Okay, step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So there's a promise there. Prayer and meditation works if we have the proper attitude. What is the proper attitude? They wouldn't have told you that if they hadn't already told you what it was. Sean's right because it's whatever it is for you. What they told us is that we picked up this simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. And to Sean's point, that was I was willing to pick it up and I was willing to walk it out. Yeah. And none of that was evidence of my righteousness. That was evidence of my complete defeat. I walked it out because it seemed the only logical way to walk given the deplorable state in which I found myself. Anyone else find yourself in a bit of a puddle? So says it would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. Do you think that would be useful? Have you ever been confused about prayer and meditation and what they're talking about? And so they're pretty specific here, and so we're trying to not be vague, and we're trying to point out the subtle points they make about growing in this awareness and the discipline it takes to do so. Would that be helpful? Okay. So they're going to make some definite and valuable suggestions. So here's the first. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Notice how they went from past tense to present tense when they started in that explanation. All the book up to this point was in past tense. This is what we did. But that didn't stop when we're in the manner of living. This is what we do. Does that make sense? So if you want, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, not paths, path, then this is it. Does that make sense? Okay. So when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. How many of you would find that, even that little touch, to be different behavior? Constructively review our day instead of destructively reviewing our day. Or perhaps destructively reviewing someone else's day. Have you ever done that? So we're going we're gonna to start changing. The thing, they got a chapter into action, not a chapter of into thinking. Because even though I'm changed instantly, I've got to walk it out to awaken to it. So we're going to act our way into better thinking. We're going to walk out in the faith and grow in awareness as we get delivered. Does that make sense? Okay, so then it says, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Wasn't that what I was supposed to be watching for all day long as I went along? And they assumed that I would do as I've always done and forget that part at some point. 
Any of you ever not keep up all day and be a little disturbed when it was time to lay down? Okay, so this is the beauty of the manner of living that is always forgiving and always redemptive. When we retire, before we try and take that to bed and cloud our ability to rest, we're going to see if we can clean house a little bit more so we can get rested, yeah? So it says, do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? How many of you guys are, had a, have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps since working with others? Any of you? Oh, good, a bunch of you. Perfect. The rest of you will be raising your hands soon if you want to get well. And I'll tell you why. Because the house cleaning really doesn't happen until I convert the musty past into a redemptive experience for another. And so I've got to awaken to the spirit so that I can tell the story of him through me and not some accomplishment of me. And, and I'm going to have to awaken to that because I'll have no credibility. It won't come with power if I'm not in power. You cannot transmit what you do not have. Does that make sense? Okay. And the other thing I would tell you is you can't help but transmit what you do have. <laughs> Either way. Right? Okay. So it says, were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time, or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? So if you're working with people and they're at this page of this stage of their development, you might ask them, suggest that they call you every day for 30 days and go through this review with you, because if they do that for 30 days, they'll have seen the value in it and they'll continue to do it. And if they don't do it for 30 days, they never saw the value in it and it's nothing to do with you anyway. They're just not, they're not ready to grow yet. Does that make sense? And either way, it's not on you, but here's the thing about having enough people you're working with calling you every night to go through that. You'll make sure you've done yours because the one thing we don't want to be is hypocrites. People will drive you through your steps. Why do you want somebody? Because I'll be accountable when I'm trying to tell people to be accountable. Not because I'm a good guy, but because I'm trying to grow into a better guy. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. Have you ever done that? Got down on yourself, and then you weren't the same gregarious you that might have embraced somebody because you're stuck in your head and somehow you justify within your head, well, I'm no good for anybody anyway. Well, how the hell would you know? If you could be humble enough to tell me, Joe, when you're having a tough day, I'll realize that it's okay to have tough days and be lifted up and maybe I'll start asking for help instead of aspiring to be something I can't be because you never struggle. Does that make sense? Yeah. See, we gotta, we got to not only be givers, we've also, when needed, got to learn how to take as well. And in order to take in this manner of living, we got to learn to ask. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness. 
That was terrible. I'm sure they did not hear us in Cayman or Douglas. They didn't hear us at Lewis, I don't think. Might not have even heard us at Perryville. Do we got any Perryville folks? All right, awesome. So after making our review, we asked God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Now, a lot of people will talk to us about why would I ask for God's forgiveness because I don't believe. All we're telling you is forgiveness is a divine act. I'm not going to try and teach theology from here, but forgiveness is a divine act. Humans aren't very good at forgiving. We forgive, but we don't forget. Therefore, it's not divine, right? So what we want to do is ask God's forgiveness because that either that changes the meaning in my mind or erases it entirely. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So I laid down, and then I asked God's forgiveness, and then I went to sleep, and then at some point I awakened. And then it says, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. That was, that was really good. You guys are on it. To direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So those are the kinds of things that will cloud my judgment. And so I'm going to ask, and that's a pretty simple prayer, even if you're troubled by these and thous. There's no these and thous there. God, just direct my thinking, that especially it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And you will find that you can use that little prayer throughout the day because we awaken many times each day. Well, you do it in the morning, but you also do it when you're walking around dreaming you're awake. Any of you ever walk around and everything, you're just kind of in a lull, and then you see something or hear something, and all of a sudden you go off and it's the, the monster came out? Yeah. Well, whoever that is that set that off woke you up because it's not... You're not disturbed by that. You had a disturbance within, and it's projecting outward. Does it make sense? Okay. So, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. For after all, God gave us brains to use. So, if I employ my mental faculties with assurance, what does that mean? If I am employing my mental faculties, what's that mean? I'm able to think with assurance because I've said this prayer. I've asked that it be directed and I'm walking in that truth. Yes? Does that make sense? God gave me the very brain I need, but without this awakening, here's the thing about the mind. The mind is a tool for you and God to use, but if you're not awake in the spirit, you're the tool and the mind's driving Anyone ever say, hey, you're a tool? Yeah. It's usually when we're not thinking, huh? Or we're overthinking. So th when I'm empowered in the spirit, then the senses don't. That's why they say it's a vital sixth sense, right? God consciousness is a vital sixth sense. Otherwise, the brain drives because I'm locked in this sensory world. Does it make sense? You're starting to see what the bondage of self is? 
It's right between our ears and our, right here. Okay. All right. So our thought life, now they're going to start talking to us about our thought life, which is where we live out our life. Not in the physical plane, in that. In that thought life, how we paint our environment based on our experience. Yes? Okay. So our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So we want to operate in a higher plane in our thought life because it'll be less bumpy. Yes? I won't take offense as easy. I won't get as defeated over my own shortcomings. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So then it says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Has that ever happened? So the first 100 and the first several thousand they detail in this story, they're talking about their own experience, and they sometimes face indecision. Would you like to know what they do about it? Okay, what they did about it is, we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for, in, for inspiration, an intuitive thought or decision. So now they're telling you about the experience of asking God for, for inspiration. It comes to us as an intuitive thought. Have you ever had a thought come to you that had evaded you? So the thought comes to us as an intuitive thought or a decision. I'm suddenly able to move in a direction I was previously unable to move in. And what was the difference? Because I asked and was aware that I received. I mean, I've had thoughts come to me, but I thought they were my thoughts. I thought I was brilliant because I got them. So apparently some of you have the same level of brilliance. But when I started realizing every day is a mystery, every place we go, all that, it would make more sense to walk in the infinite with that knowledge. And therefore, since I don't want to walk blindly, then I'm going to have to let go of the idea of what it means to pray constantly as I go along and start asking to see where I'm going. Not with these, with these. Make sense? Okay. So then it says that we relax and take it easy. Why did they caution us about that? Yeah, any of you ever asked for something and then go to working on how to best define it and design it? God, I don't know what to do. Please show me, but don't make it that. And if you could. So we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. How many of you ask for something, the answer doesn't come right away, and you go right back in for another ask? I mean, oh, you must be busy. I'll just take off my own damn direction. <laughs> so they're, they're suggesting that patience is also a spiritual gift. Faith is a spiritual gift. You're going to have to start developing that faith, and with the faith will come the patience to wait. Be still and know. Yeah? yeah. Okay. So it says, we don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. How many of you wanted a solution to a problem you were sure existed, and then when the solution you wanted didn't come, you found out the problem wasn't there either? <laughs> Ever of you lived through something you knew was just going to take you out, and it wasn't even as bad as you thought? Any of you have ever had those experiences? What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Use the word gradually. The more disciplined you are, the more 
quickly it'll come. They told us sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, right? We've got to stay in discipline. They already told you all about it, right? Yes? Remember, we talked about that whole, are they extravagant? Yeah, they're extravagant, but they really happen. And you're sitting there going, man, my head's spinning. A guy talks too fast. He's old. What does he know? All I'm telling you is not struggling is easier than struggling. And sometimes, after we've been at it a while, our struggle isn't so evident outside. Which is at, at least allows us to do a better job in leading others out of the dark places we all find ourselves in. Right? All right. So being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. They're warning you that in advance. You may not feel that inspiration, in spiritus, the power within. You may not feel it at all times. That doesn't mean it's not there at all times. It's just you don't feel it. You're going to need to do some discipline. You're going to need to do some things. That's why it's a manner of living. Does that make sense? So it says we might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. So those of you that have been walking in it a while, have you had some absurd actions and ideas? And was it because you weren't feeling inspired so you decided to implement something on your own? It might be that, or it might be that you're simply in a difficult patch, and even though you're not feeling it, it's there, and you're being asked to make a tough decision. Have you ever been asked to make a tough decision? And you just had to walk in and face it, and the outcome could be dire. But you decided to walk in in faith, and the outcome was better than you had imagined. No, that's what they're talking about. That's life. Okay? So it says, nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So I'll stop relying on my ideas about how things should be, and I'll start walking more and more consciously into whatever is, knowing it's preparing me for where I'm going. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. You get that, guys? A lot of times if you're new and you haven't moved through the, the inventory process and the amends process, we're asking for obstacles to be removed, and the obstacles are actually there to prepare us for where we're going. Does that make sense? The obstacles in our path are our path, but they're stripping away those things within us that are blocking our consciousness of our source. Hopelessness, guilt, shame, remorse, those things go away as you walk out in an empowered life. Yes? Okay. All right. So, so we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. I told you an example, so you could easily see why, and now I'm reading their testimony. Does it make sense? That all those things in us, in front of us, were designed to get those things that are in us that are blocking us from walking into our destiny out of the way. And it, it, it's an inside job. You ever heard that in recovery rooms? It's an inside job? Yeah, because the, 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 the power, the solution is found where? Deep down inside. And the main problem center is where? In the mind. So neither the problem nor the solution are external. But it's, 
we got to get right size to walk in that truth, yes? Okay. All right, so now do we all easily see why, or are we thoroughly confused? If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So there's a condition, if circumstances warrant. How would we know if circumstances warrant? I'm with you, Mike. Usually if somebody wants to join me, they'll ask. But I may know it. I I may know it in the spirit. They may may be afraid to ask or something. Had that happen too. So I I should pay attention to that stirring, yeah. if we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. So now they're saying if you have a religious practice, by all means keep your religious practice, but do not replace it, your AA practice, with your religious practice or vice versa. Does that make sense? Do what you need to do for you. Boo. Yes. It's not, if not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing, which is why I called your attention in the ask for remove from me selfish, dishonest, self-seeking motives, yeah? And whatever else you got to do. And then it says, there are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Now, it didn't say be quick to see that religious people are right. It said to see where they are, which means you may need to read some of their books in order to see where their experiences align with your experiences. And I will tell you about religious people. They have a very different different language, and sometimes us recovery people are unable to communicate with them. But I will tell you, Chaplain Lee and I are working on a project where we're going to tell the religious community and the recovery community, we are both seeking the same power. And so we would like for you guys to see where they're coming from, whichever side of the aisle you're on, so we can get to a common language. Does that make sense? Because the language we speak in is the language of the spirit. My description to you comes with the signature of the spirit. You'll know, if you know me when you see me, you'll know who sent me, right? Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a signature of the Spirit on us, and when we come up and engage someone in the Spirit, even if they're asleep to the Spirit, we feel the Spirit in them, which is why we want to awaken, why we want to get that vital sixth sense improved, yes, so that we're more aware of how to meet needs in the world. Okay, make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Have you ever been agitated or doubtful in your day? Did you pause? <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to pause as we grow in this, and we're going to ask. Pause and ask. Ask for the right thought or action. How many of you have learned to do that and didn't even know you were learning to do that? You just started being changed didn't really know all this detail, but all of a sudden, we just talked about that before we started, being aware of behavior I used to walk into blindly. And I may still walk into it, but I'm aware it's not the right thing. Any of you have that happen to you? I'm still going to have to walk into taking captive that thought and not walking into it, but at least my awareness is there now. Yes? Okay. So it says, we constantly remind ourselves that we're no longer running the show. What does constantly mean? 
all day as we go along. See how it's all inclusive still. Then it says, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice how there's no more bracket with not mine. Because that was pure illusion. Now that I'm awakened, there's God's will. And as difficult as it may be, okay, if you're sure, if you're going, here we go. Does that make sense? Whatever it is, we're going to walk into it. There is no longer this illusion of a will apart from God's. There is no will opposite God's. Not one that can prevail. <laughs> okay. So it says, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. How many of you would like to be in less danger of those things? Pretty much all of us, right? Because it gets us all cranky. We become more efficient. How many of you have gotten to be more efficient already? As you're just starting to, because you're just not stopping to scrabble over everything, right? Okay. All right. So, so we do not tire so easily for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. How many of you have come headlong into how you thought it should be and it wasn't that way and you couldn't get out of that spot? Happens to me every day around here. No one else sees that? Okay, so then it tells us it works. It really does. That's a profound promise. You don't have to believe me. Believe you. Just believe the fact that I believe it so strongly that I have followed it until we had this place. I did not grow up aspiring to do this. And I would expect to see dozens, if not hundreds of these, around the world, sometime beyond my lifetime, but certainly not beyond yours. So we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. So what is the way they just outlined? Pause when agitated or doubtful, pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful, pray, meditate, pray and serve. Does that make sense? That's God disciplining you, right? All right. But this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. Anyone remember that from another book? They reminded us of that in another chapter, right? Faith, I'm going to have to put the work, the faith in action so others can see it so that more can go. And, on, and the benefit I get is as I walk in faith, I prove the power to me through me. Yes? And then it says, the next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. So next week we launch into 12. Thank you very much. <laughs>